0: Welcome to a very special episode of the Headstuff podcast, celebrating International Women's Day 2018. Woo. <laughs> My name is Andrea Cleary. I'm the music editor here at Headstuff. And I'm joined today by a div- diverse and eclectic group of women who are heavily involved in the Irish music industry. We've journalists, musicians, writers, critics, DJs all gathered to have a chat and a bit of a deep dive into the state of the industry as it stands. In the studio with me today, we have Zara Hederman. Hello. Zara <laughs> is a music and culture critic for "The Thin Air," Totally Dublin: The Quietest." Uh, she can also be heard telling jokes around Dublin and making
1: friends with famous people on Twitter. Zara, <laughs> who's your favorite woman? Oh, well, my, my mom, obviously <laughs> uh, My mom is the most amazing person in the whole world. She's absolutely gas. And she's just a legend. Yeah. Lovely. So she's my favourite person and woman. And you were very lucky that you got to go first because no one else is allowed to say <laughs> <my> no. <own. laughs> <laughs> uh
0: Alton Studio we've Maya Sophia. Maya's a singer songwriter who's drawn comparisons to PJ Harvey, Angel Olsen Joanna Newsom, among others. Her style and sound is much better heard than described, having said that. Um, She released her gorgeous single, Flowers, earlier this year. It's my favourite song of the year so far. And if we're lucky, we might even get an album out of her by the time 2018 is through. Maya, who's your favourite woman?
2: Oh, I was going to say my (laughs) mum. You can say your mum, it's okay. Maybe, like, I don't know, someone really mad and out of touch, like Kate Bush or someone, just, like, living her reclusive life. It's, like, the dream.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Also with us is Emma Langford, a train enthusiast. Yeah, I love trains. (laughs) She's a folk singer-songwriter from Limerick, whose debut album Quiet Giant made some real waves in 2017. She's recently named Limerick Person of the Month and therefore of the Year at Time of Recording, um, beating out pretty stiff competition considering how much Limerick is killing it in the arts lately. Emma is also the founder of the Limerick Lady Festival, a grassroots organisation which highlights female artistry through pop-up gigs, showcases and events. Emma, who's your favourite woman?
3: It's actually Zara's mum. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know you're wrong. <laughs> um I've got I've got tons and it's really hard to pick. Um I've got two amazing sisters, uh, both of whom uh, basically keep me alive by like um just the sheer virtue of like supporting me and not hating me for ah. um being a pain in the hole. <laughs> so uh yeah, it's a toss up between them, my <laughs> mum and uh my best friend in the world in Leash who's Probably not going to listen to this, but hi, Steve.
0: Hi, Steve. <laughs> uh, also with us, we've got Claire Beck. Hello. Um, an Irish music institution, I, I would say. Uh, DJ, radio <laughs> presenter, podcaster, boat enthusiast. She's the host of the Fear Fun uh, podcast here on Head Stuff and Tug Life, as well as a presenter on Today FM. During her time at the Dearly Miss TX FM, she hosted the TX Daytime show, into which I texted and won the Smashing Pumpkin CD. Which so thank you was very it? much. It was the, uh, what was the the kind of latest one? It had a blue cover. It wasn't very good. <laughs> Thank one. you for the CD. Yeah, we
4: just gloss over it. It wasn't the it greatest. <laughs> so uh, who's your favourite one? Oh, like, I mean, I feel like my mum is going to get really annoyed if I don't say my mum. But my mum. <laughs> actually, I'm wearing her around my neck. Oh, there um, she is. Bjork. I absolutely adore her. I love everything about her. Bjork's your um, mom. She is... Yeah. <laughs> Completely herself, she's completely insane and she's fine with it. And she's just very, very honest in everything she does, so she's very outspoken. But her songwriting and her lyrics, everything she just puts it all out there and kind of makes it okay for other people to do that
0: as well. So yeah. that is why I love Björk She's
5: amazing. Mm, love, love a bit of
0: Björk. Yeah. So, we're going to have a bit of a chat today about the Irish music industry and the music industry more widely as well, and how we as ladies fit into it. Um, so I suppose I'd like to start with the musicians at the table, um, cool. Maya and Emma. Mm-hmm. There feels to me like there's been an upturn in exposure for female musicians over maybe the past couple of years. Have you guys noticed that?
3: Yeah, it's great. It's really cool because, I mean, there's still still obviously a huge issue of uh, kind of um, an imbalance. But there's so many initiatives kind of coming to the fore now that are trying to redress that and uh, and kind of. Yeah, reset the balance a little bit, which is really, really brilliant to see. It's really encouraging. Um, I suppose the next step is to actually see that balance kind of, you know, coming into into fruition. But um, as it stands right now, it's very encouraging to see the huge uh, volume of festival bookers and uh, like Festival Republic in the UK even, kind of all these brilliant initiatives happening to encourage women to develop their instrumental abilities and to develop their ability to produce music and... Uh, all that kind of stuff. So I think there's there's definitely a uh, maybe
2: you, I don't know what your experience is. Um yeah, definitely like I think it's been kind of a battle like, you know, it's been like um it's been really like tough for women for a long time and it still is, but like there's definitely more of an awareness of it now and I think people are starting to make conscious steps, mm. like initiatives. But it's still, you know, it's there's still, still it a hard. Yeah. I think it's
3: but the nice thing with the different initiatives happening is it's opening the conversation up, so mm. it's now a given that there. If there, if you're, if you notice an imbalance somewhere, or if you notice that um, a venue doesn't have a dressing room or enough dressing room space for for women and men, you know that I you, never thought of that. It's a uh, it's a simple thing, but yeah. it's the kind of stuff that you constantly notice when you're going to a venue that you know you're stuck into a dressing room with a bunch of lads who are all getting changed in front of each other, mm. and you're kind of like, okay anywhere for me to kind of go and yeah do my thing um so I think the great thing is the best thing about what's happening at the moment is that we're uh being able to have that conversation and mm. it's not it's not an alien concept to people anymore mm. that we're having those conversations does it, does it
0: ever get tiring that you're constantly you constantly have to have that conversation though
2: oh yeah like, yeah exhausting so yeah. like I'm like I kind of have like a knee-jerk reaction to it now and people are like um, I don't know. As soon as I see lineups, I'm just like, oh man, 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 man. Mm. Um, but like as well, I kind of feel uncomfortable being put on like consciously all women lineups. Like we deserve better than this. Mm, like yeah. I don't like tokenism either. Yeah, mm. but
3: yeah. Yeah, no, I think you're dead right. I think it's, like it's nicer to see a lineup that has you've obviously not not even just a gender balance, but a, a balance of. Um, sexualities and the balance of people who are performatively different things and people of different ethnicities it's just just great to see Um, festivals I think are the best possible representation of our artistic community as a country Mm. and if that festival line up and the people being seen on those huge stages doesn't represent the kind of diversity of our population I think it's kind of a, a bit of a reflection on the people behind the festival yeah. and you know and at the end of the day music is a job so if you go into a company and you're not seeing an equal representation of genders and ethnicities and everything in there any industry you go in and kind of say well why aren't you hiring these yeah. people you know why aren't these people getting yeah, paying definitely. work so when you look at festival lineups where massive a massive bill is is entirely white men yeah you know obviously there's <laughs> a bit of an issue there and yeah. you just it's not like uh, the men being given the positions are given the uh, the slots are to blame but
0: you know but they they do have I think now um, somewhat of like more responsibility to speak up like we obviously don't need to rely on men <coughs> mm. to speak for us um, no absolutely not. But it it does get to a stage where where we expect them to be a bit more active in being allies absolutely yeah do you think that's changed at all
2: yeah, I do. Like, I, I've i been surrounded by men in bands to the point where I've kind of, like, I've noticed that I consciously have made myself more masculine to be kind of, like, fitting in. And, like, that's, like, so horrible. It's, so, like, I acknowledge that about myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know... But um, I have, like, male friends that um, over the years have, like, unintentionally said really, you know, not misogynistic, but, like, really, like kind of bl- they're just blinded Th- say things that they've like they're blind to like their privilege or whatever but uh, like recently I've heard the same people like one of my friends who's in like an all-male band say things like oh you know hanging out with other guys and if they're like not citing any female references or you, c- you kind of really notice straight away that they don't listen to any female musicians mm-hmm. and like even that subtle change is kind of like oh okay things are changing yeah yeah, yeah. like the fact that other men are starting to notice these things is like good yeah.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, it's the same. I am I think my my band is myself. My keys player is a girl uh, from Cork called Hannah, and she's brilliant. And then we've got um, th- four lads in the band. And it's always been kind of the case that my band has been predominantly lads. Mm. Um, but the nice thing is with, with the work I'm doing with the Limerick Lady at the moment, the men in my life are becoming... <laughs> Kind of by no no choice of their own, heightened they're developing a heightened awareness of the issues that are there because they have someone shoving it down their throat all <laughs> <Yeah>. of the <this laughs> time, and, and so then they're going out and they're meeting uh, other men in the industry who don't have that, who aren't being exposed to it, and don't realise it's an issue. And I can understand why you wouldn't realise it's an issue if you're not if you're not falling victim to it. Yeah. Um. So now in turn the guys that I'm dealing with and guys I'm working with are going out and sharing some of the stuff that I've been researching and some of the work I've been doing sharing it with them and having conversations with the guys in their life about you know I mean why are there no women in this band you know can we can we talk about like the issue of the lack of women in jazz you know what's going on there and it, c- it can't be anymore that
0: not enough girls play bass. Yeah, no, no. and can't it's, be a thing it's not. It's it's not like, and if it is the
3: case, we need to look at why that's the case. Yeah. You know, like oh, the bass is a heavy instrument. Okay, no, yeah. girls don't need to <laughs> be and small petite, little. We can to figure
0: it out. There's a load of
3: options here. Um, so uh, yeah, it's just it's really cool to see men working as allies and not trying to speak for us, but speak with us and kind yeah. of amplify yeah. what's going on in the industry. It's, it's so refreshing and so nice. Yeah. So yeah, it is happening a lot. And more.
0: I guess from the other side of the industry or n- another part of the industry in terms of um, journalism and uh, promoting new music. Um, I find personally that all of my journalists, fr- most of my journalist friends are male. Mm. Um, like that part of the in- industry can be so insular. So I think, like, is it is it hard for women writers, women DJs, women m- music promoters do you, do you guys think that it's hard for those women to get their voices heard?
1: Um I think I've just been very like I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, and it does really frustrate me when like I obviously I'm very aware that there is an imbalance women are disregarded, they're talked over when they do podcasts and stuff or they do radio where men always kind of try to have the final say and it is a very male dominated um, side of it with the writing, but I've always found that all the male editors, pretty much all my editors, have always been male. Mm. They've always been unbelievably encouraging of like me and my work. So I don't know if it's just that I've been really fortunate in that way. Um, like I've from when I started writing, like I, I would have always like had men as the people who were like, oh yeah, like I'd absolutely love for you to come on and like write for us. But it was always like. Me making those opportunities for myself as yeah. well. Mm. Um, but I was like also encouraged. There's one female journalist, um, and she's obviously incredible. Her name is Siobhan Kane. And she was the one that was like, Why don't you do this? Like, this is yeah. something you can do. You can write about music. And at the time, I was, it was more just, I don't think I personally could do it. Like, it wasn't a, like, b- from being a girl, a it wasn't yeah, that at yeah. all. It was more just like a confidence. And then the more I did it, the more I loved it it's what I'm passionate about um, but everyone every male that I have encountered in the industry has been amazing like to me so I haven't had too many scenarios where I'm like Ma- male journalists I hate them because <laughs> I don't yeah, like it's yeah. not they've kind of given me the like they haven't given me the opportunities but they've given me the encouragement yeah. to like Believe in myself a bit more, and I think that's the main thing. If you believe in yourself and you love what you do, you'll do it anyway. Um, and Dolly Parton is like one of my other favorite women. Yes. <laughs> and I was was it reading? No, I was listening to an interview that she did, and she was asked about like women in the music industry, and they're she, they're like, oh, like do you see any imbalance? And she was like, well, like no, like what I did was I always just went into the studio it was like full of men and I just saw that I had my own talent I was good I was good enough for what I did I knew who I was as a woman and I just did it Mm. she was just like if you have the talent if you have the drive to do something it doesn't matter like whether you're a boy or a girl Mm. so like I've always just kind of tried to maintain that Mm. because it really frustrates me then when I see people who it almost feels like a bit of an echo chamber maybe Mm. and like kind of giving out for the sake of it And then putting more work, this is I think what really annoys me is when I see people and like women who will like make an issue of it but they'll spend more time in 90 characters doing this rather than doing their work to build their portfolio and I'm like what? You're not doing anyone any favors. Do you, do you favours. think that maybe
0: the the opportunities that because I I I'd, I've had a very similar experience mm. to you that where all all of my editors who I write for are male, mm. um, and are incredibly encouraging. But do you think that this is because of work that has been done by women like bef- before us, before we were even mm. born? Like um, that there was a there was a slog to get to where we are.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like. Um, I'm reading as well at the moment about Rowling Stone, and it took them three years while they were or after they established to hire a female writer. Mm. And at that, like, the, she came on, and the writer of the book is terrible. Like, he's an awful writer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm kind of persevering with the book because I'm just like a bit baffled. But also, yeah. I want to know the history of the book, so I'm like, okay, grand. Yeah. But on the first page where she's mentioned, her name is Robin Green. So she came on in 1970, and they're like, "Oh, like Robin Green hired as like the first female journalist for Rolling Stone." The next page is like, she came on because she was the boyfriend or girlfriend of such and such, and you're like, "Oh gosh, okay." And then she's referred to as this person's girlfriend, and you're like, "She was a writer in her own merit." Then there was like another bit further down in the mid 70s where. Um, some Another female writer, I actually can't remember her name, but she was like, I will never write for Rolling Stone because they're so anti women. Um, and then she was actually, like, four years later, had a quick turnaround and she did end up writing for them. But because uh, Jan Wenner, who is the uh, editor, he like manipulated one of the higher up female editors to kind of coax her into okay. like come on. Um, and then, like, you read other things like, say, NME only had their first female editor in 2009 which yes. is baffling yeah. like wow. that it was that magazine was so old but like at the same time she was only working in the studio or er, in the office for maybe six years Yeah, so like it does seem like a long time but in the grand scheme of things like
0: there is there like we've we've gotten past I think we've gotten past the stage of firsts mm. now which mm-hmm. is nice yeah um, but w- when you look at the even even my section here in head stuff um, at the moment, I don't have a regular female writer. All yeah. all of everyone who's writing for you, for me are men, mm-hmm. and they're amazing, and they they understand uh, how to write about women in music. And if they don't understand something, they'll ask me, and that's brilliant. But I'm trying to try, trying to figure out why there's just there's less and why now that we've gotten past this kind of era of firsts mm. why why we can't get to a 50 50 divide yeah. or like do you do, uh, claire when you were starting out in radio did did you have similar experiences or did you feel like you had to kind of fight to get your voice heard
4: it's so it was kind of different. I started very young, like super underage young DJing. Like I was thirteen when I started working in a really radio. That's really cool. Wow. And, <laughs> um, and I was then also kind of sneaking into do gigs and standing up on the crates to reach the decks, which I still <laughs> so cool. do. So you know, some things don't change. But I would have found that um, for like radio traditionally the format is there'll be a couple of guys who are like leading the show and Mm. there'll be a woman who is kind of just there to like fluff them to like yeah. kind of laugh at their jokes and to maybe do an entertainment mm-hmm. insert and that sort of thing and that was always the traditional thing and there's also this huge lie that the, oh studies were done and people particularly men don't like to hear female voices on the radio yeah, it was a, it's not a thing it was like one thing that was done like it was never like a confirmed like factual thing yeah. it was just this one thing that someone said one time in the UK once and then everyone just ran with it so traditionally radio would have been, radio would have been very very much a male dominated thing and very blokey and that sort of thing but like I started off in a little shed like you know in the yeah. back of someone's mom's house out in Dunleary, and and mm. um, you know everyone was just there because they wanted to play music and they loved radio and that was totally fine and um, I've been very lucky in all my experiences working for legal radio it's always been um, you were taken on on Merit and you were taken on as a like my first legal radio show that I did was for FM 104 and um, it was an overnight kind of thing and then spinning the Adrian Kennedy phone show which at the time was pressing play on the mini disc letting the mini disc run for 20 minutes hit pressing play on the ads yeah. that were in these little carts, I sound like a dinosaur now um, <laughs> but when I like went in there, Declan Pierce who I now work with on Stay FM, he was the music director and he brought me in and he was like okay so this is what you say and this is what you don't say and, this, and it was really really encouraging and really helped me but it was always as a radio presenter, it was never as a as a woman female mm. radio mm. presenter and yeah. I've been, just been really really fortunate that every station that I've worked for they've just been brilliant like mm. you're hired because of your ability as opposed to a tokenistic kind of thing yeah. mm. um so I think radio has changed an awful awful lot mm. like um there's still a way to go but it's very much kind of it's like presenters are presenters now as yeah. opposed to it being um you know, you're there to go, oh, you're so funny. Do you want to hear yeah. some gossip? You know, and, like, doing and there's nothing business. wrong with that. You know, there's mm-hmm. nothing. But it shouldn't be the only thing that women are there for. Yeah. Um. DJ wise, um, like I said, very young starting out. Um, definitely kind of like looking back, it's kind of that was a bit gross. Like you knew that I was very underage and you were kind of creepy and like. Posters that were put up in the like language around it and stuff. Mm. So, and um, there was definitely kind of. Things were you aware
0: of that at the time? Or like were you, you, you know, you
4: know when you feel uncomfortable yeah. with something, but um at the same time you're like, oh god, like I just I don't know what, and I'm just here yeah. and I just want to play my music and I just you know, so you kind of just brush it off. Yeah. Um. But um, like I remember the first time I was completely not aware of it. I was like, this is cool. I'm just going and playing me, and I overheard a manager of a nightclub, and it was something. Something along the lines of, oh, well, like, I, d- I don't know what her music is like, but I mean, we've got like a hot, underage, blonde girl with big wow. boobs, like oh no oh one's going to complain, like, about oh the music. God. And I was like, oh. devastated because all I cared about was like, yeah, your ability. Mm. my music, your you best. know, and I was like, yeah. oh, my God,
0: I can't believe someone would say that. Um but and yeah, that's, that's at a time as well when you when you're the, at that kind of late teens where mm. you're only figuring out that oh my you God, are a completely. woman, let alone that anyone's looking at you like exactly. that. Exactly, and, and yeah. like you you
4: know again like that I'm like you know in in like a pub like and I'm playing like Oasis tunes and I'm like <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm one of the lads and there's like lads at the bar just staring at you. I remember once this old guy I put like I had a chapstick and I was like put my chapstick on like <laughs> playing He's like, oh, you shouldn't put your lip gloss on like that. It's very distracting and all this. And I was like, wow, <laughs> literally. <laughs> Mean. Oh. You're like hundred years old and you shouldn't <laughs> be saying that to anyone. You're a grown- But I obviously didn't say right. that to him. I was just like, oh, okay. You know. Mm-hmm. But I think you kinda you you get tougher and you get a thicker skin as you go on. But mm-hmm. it's also it's kind of like what you mm-hmm. were saying, Zara. You kind of surround yourself with people, like like minded people. So people that are hard working, people that are doing it for the same reasons as you are. Mm-hmm. Um, People who aren't just there to kind of exploit or take advantage, yeah. you know. So, that's they're the kind of people that I work with, you know, mm-hmm. and have so largely just really good experiences, mm-hmm. Um, which is really great, you know. And that's kind of a mixture of just being around deadly people who don't and venues who genuinely don't, you're, you're not there as like decoration. I had a very strict rule, um. For years, that um, if, so, if I got a booking looking for a female DJ, I would, wouldn't would take it on principle, um, based on just kind of, you know, because I didn't want to kind of perpetuate that thing. Mm. So if you ever look at the breed, it'd be like, we need a female DJ, someone who was like willing to wear a whatever, you know, and it's for this kind of <laughs> they a theme. And you're there. Stuff to yeah, wear. so okay. it'd be like, oh, it's like a tropical theme. So maybe like a, a swimsuit and oh, this on. kind of thing. Like a yeah. no. <laughs> but it'd be something like that. So if I was ever if it was ever a booking that was a female DJ booking or you could read between the lines, um, I would just turn it down. I would say, no, that's not what I do. I get booked on my my ability and what music I play and whether that's going to suit the event. But then I kind of said, well, fuck it. Like... They're going to do it anyway. So it was around the time, you know, when it gets to the gender pay gap day, um, oh, where it's yeah. like, we're working the rest of the uh, year free. I was like, maybe I'll just charge them that percentage and a difference. <laughs> just as a little fuck you and oh, take wow. it. Like, I'm not going to turn up in a coconut brat, But if they're like, you need a female DJ to come and like play someone and be like, yeah, OK, I'll just charge them extra. Yeah. So- <laughs> how, do, how, how did that go down? Fine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, they don't know. They're just, you go, this is my price. And they'll either say yes or no. Yeah. But... But yeah, no, it's... Um, so have you booked Claire at the end of
0: <laughs> the <week. you laughs> Shout out to you, idiot. I suppose it's worth
3: considering mm. as well that like, I mean, like I think all of us said our moms are our favorite people, which mm. is like interesting. So I think we all had very strong role models in that sense growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, very strong role model in our mothers. But beyond that, like for, from my perspective, um, the imbalance isn't about man-hating it's not about like Mm. men being assholes and it's not about the men ahead of us not encouraging us for me from what i've observed it's a ground-up approach so it's about the way Mm. girls are taught versus the way boys are taught from a young age so i think there's a degree especially in performance like it's such a daunting thing just this is just from my perspective from my own experience it's a daunting thing to put yourself out there to share your life experiences to make yourself physically and emotionally available to a room of strangers. Mm. And it's something that I think I think boys, typically speaking, are raised to be a lot bolder and braver and less afraid of failure than girls are. So the boys I grew up with weren't afraid to climb trees and fall out of them and bash their faces up. Mm. Whereas for me growing up, not from my parents' perspective, they didn't care about me falling out of a tree and bashing my face <laughs> up. It happened a lot. <laughs> but I know that there were a lot of girls I grew up with that their parents would be like, oh, don't like you know you'll fall and you'll you'll hurt your pretty face and you know mm. you know you'll ruin your lovely clothes and you'll you know mm. all this kind of thing that never I never experienced happening to the boys in my life. I never saw them having that kind of restriction put on them. I grew up and I tried to learn the drums, and the only person locally that I could learn the drums from was a boy um, who taught drums in his bedroom. So when I was twelve years old, going to learn drums in a local boy's bedroom. I felt uncomfortable, so I didn't keep learning the drums. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's there's all these random little things that it's not a matter of he probably there was no there was no malice in him. You know, he yeah. was a lovely guy, but because you're raised not to, you know, your parents don't want you as a twelve year old girl going and hanging out with a seventeen year old boy in his bedroom. Yeah. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, th- that was an instant barrier there that stopped me and and had there been a me who was teaching me i had a, the yeah you know it was it just a matter of just there being that, that uh, along the line another woman uh, teaching the bass another woman that i saw playing the drums maybe i would have had that extra kind of impetus to to do it myself but i think it's it's not a matter of the guys in her life being evil geniuses that don't want the little women to do well <laughs> totally. but it's just a thing of you know how you feel growing up is going to affect what you do down the line. Yeah, so, that's yeah.
1: really interesting because I was listening to, um, so Laura Marling, she had a podcast last year maybe called Reversal of the Muse where she um, set out to interview loads of different women in music, say like musicians, um, sound engineers um, and just all like women in music. Um, but there was one, a, a lot of the ones, uh, ones that I listened to, they all said that they wished they had been taught how to play like if they're a musician how to play guitar by a woman they're Mm -hmm. always taught by a man and then they're always saying how going into a guitar shop is such an intimidating thing because like going in people working there are like oh are you getting something for like your boyfriend or (laughs) something but then Laura um she spends time in Nashville and she interviews um I can't remember if the lady's first name is Pamela or Paloma it's it's one of those but her surname is Daphne Cole um, and she has she set up an, a guitar shop called Fanny's World of Music amazing yeah, um, yeah so, uh, but I was actually um, I was listening to this just walking in and she said the exact same thing where where they do give guitar lessons in the shop like it's massive and it's just wall to floor of guitars and then there's like a corner of like vintage clothes um, but Miss Cole was saying how like she really wants like more Ladies to just be giving guitar lessons mm. because it's like it's more encouraging and it's it kind of like will give like a less intimidating environment, but also not just for women to teach girls how to play instruments, but for women to play, yeah, yeah. For for women women to so that like boys growing up won't have this kind of like, yeah, they'll also see this, yeah, yeah. boys
3: growing up as well because the little boy that grows up only seeing men in that kind of job is going to become the guy. That you meet in the street who doesn't think you're a musician because he mm. never saw a female musician yeah. ever in yeah. his life. Yeah, so it's yeah. There's all these little, these tiny little things that can happen in childhood that influence how yeah. you perceive the industry you're going into. Yeah. Mm. So I think, um, yeah, I totally take what you're saying about the men in your life being encouraging because every every guy I've come across mm. in music has been like, why aren't you? Why aren't you going out and gigging? Why aren't you, mm. you know, going for a record label? Why aren't you doing this, that, and the other? Mm. So it was never ever a case that men were discouraging. My dad is also brilliant advocate for me to like be the best musician in the entire world <laughs> he already <laughs> thinks I am <laughs> and, um, but yeah I just think it's it's how it's how girls are taught from a young age I mm-hmm. think we need to be encouraging teachers in schools to to encourage little girls to be a bit bolder not yeah. to be more masculine no just to be bolder yeah just to be yeah. not afraid of and failure I think as
0: well as well when when we were all growing up we wouldn't have seen a lot of um female drummers or female guitarists even you know when we were watching mtv Mm, or mm. in the media so now i think the the generation below us girls girls that are coming into now learning how to play guitar or learning how to play drums or piano or whatever it might be there's so there's such a wider pool of musicians and people that they can idolize now Mm. and and djs and writers and kind of photographers across the industry that they can kind of look towards. So I think there's something hopeful in that. Mm. Yeah. But it also the idea that it's hopeful kind of shows that there is a way it's to go. I feel like you should Mm, do this
3: podcast again, but like bring in like four 10 year olds. Yeah. Yeah. Want to do do music and like ask them the same questions and see because they have access to stuff that we would never had access to as kids. You know, they've got Mm. YouTube and they've got music generation and they've got all these incredible new projects that are totally focused on them seeing Mm. What we're talking about, so. yeah. yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Um. So, but do we think maybe, in terms of female artists being represented in the industry, does does that have to be a a new a, a thing across the board where we need more female DJs on the radio, we need more female writers, or it, and and if that is the case, why aren't the men writing about? I,
4: I think it's kind of it's what Emma was saying it's a wider societal issue it's how mm. people are raised and how kids are being exposed to, you know so that's that's it more so than like I'm not a fan of gender quotas just yeah. to get yeah. like a, oh we need a 50-50 or we need this that I think you should always 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 be hired on merit it's not um, it's not that it's not about hoofing more women in or more you yeah. know different people in different roles it's more just the more that you see you know like when I started DJing people it was I felt like a zoo animal like people would be looking at me going a girl a Yeah,
5: like <laughs> <laughs> like you see,
4: like, their heads like almost exploding and it was always a thing like guys would come up and they'd be like you're not the DJ and I'd be like no I'm just minding his stuff he's in the bathroom they go oh okay it was kind of mean like God, but it was just so yeah. funny to see them walk by five minutes later and go oh and I was, sorry I couldn't resist you know <laughs> but um it was always a thing that guys would be like Hell is going on mm. here and they would just think it was like the weird couldn't get their head around it but women would be always like you're a teacher no way I want to do that can I do it? And I'm like yeah of course you can do it. just yeah. go and do it you know mm. so I think that is important so the more people that you like the more visibility mm. and like you're saying about festival lineups and different thing then the more it's just normal and yeah. it's not like a tokenistic thing or it's not like a weird it's it's not a it's like not a men's industry that you're
0: going into it's just the job that you want to do yeah. so that's kind of yeah. what the aim Yeah, and this isn't something that's, um, you know, only happening in the music industry. We we just look look at what's happened over the past year in the film industry and in the entertainment Mm. industry Mm -hmm. more broadly, um, just to to see the kind of the changes that do need to be made. But I think there's there's no one way to do it because every woman is going to have a different way that she wants to
1: progress her industry. Yeah. I think the most important thing is just always like encourage people. Um, Like if you see someone who is maybe younger than you, like I know some people who are younger than me and writing and I'm always like so like aware of, not like a patronising way, but like like I'd be quite a naive person socially. (laughs) And I'm always like, if I see someone and I've like read something that they write, I'm always like, that's absolutely class like I wish I could have done that when I was your age and it was just more of a thing of when I was maybe like 16, 17, 18 like my mom and my brother always had this kind of joke that like after school I'd always go straight into my bedroom and I would just be like in my own little zone of doing things and like maybe writing but like I was keeping it to myself because I didn't have... The confidence to me I'd be like look guys I'm doing this yeah. Um. Yeah. but then when I did get older and I did say to people that that's what I was interested in um, that encouragement really helped me and I just like any time that I see someone or I talk to someone that's like at an age where I wish I had have had that yeah. kind of drive I'm always so conscious to be like you're absolutely class and like yeah. you yeah. should just yeah. keep going yeah. and like send out as many emails like hmm. that's you just have yeah. to keep like persevering yeah, 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 because indeed. if you don't you can't give out about things that you aren't doing if you're not like seeking and like women
2: women like seeking out and encouraging other women I think is really important Mm. because there's like you know like male festival bookers or like male promoters or whatever it's like oh why aren't these men giving us a platform where it's like Mm. actually like what if we just decide that we don't need them at all and Mm. like there's like this weird myth that I think I internalized for years and probably a lot of women do that like other women are competitive and bitchy which just Mm. isn't true like it's it's just 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 not not true like Mm. all like like you guys have like been so supportive of my music and like all of the other female musicians I know it's like we know what it's like so we like help each other Mm. and I actually think that men are more competitive in a way and, and I don't know where that myth comes from and if it's like a like a I don't know, like a male perpetuated myth like, oh, women are a- so mysterious It yeah. might be, they,
0: it might be th- the case where it, it, it feels like we're all competing because traditionally or historically there's been th- just that one spot Yeah, there's yeah. like one, the one, one woman, woman that's at a time to be, yeah. yeah, the most talented yeah. woman in the I entire know, world You're the woman on the <laughs> panel and there's yeah. ten women fighting to be on that panel Yeah, it's the so
2: cool. yeah, like, uh, like a, a male space that makes room for like we are going to have one woman today, yeah. and it's mm. not you today. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. and uh, like it, it happens as well. We got not just women; it happens with people of, of color, and it happens yeah. with yeah, of course, you know, trans people and non-binary people, and anybody who basically yeah. isn't yeah. a yeah. white straight mm. man. Yeah oh we, we made it about 25 minutes in without saying white t- <laughs> <laughs> we're using the term sis, so we did pretty well nice. I think that's
4: like a trope as well that's perpetuated it's like oh women are bitchy women are pit, and you're kind of like you're taught like in school like I went to an all girls school you're like oh my god it's going to be so bitchy and it's this mm. that and the other and it's just like this that, the whole like the cat fight thing yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah. And how it's totally where's that even come from like, it's, so just weird. A, it's just a th- I don't know exactly but it's just it's definitely a thing and I know like when I first started working like the first radio station that I would have worked in during the day where it was like you know a full time thing and there's like going to be lots of other women was Spin and I went in going these bitches are going to ruin me to shreds. not calling them bitches because I did, literally didn't know any yeah, of them but all yeah, I knew yeah. was it was all of these girls working in this pop radio station and I'd spent years as a teenager like this like tough like mm. one of the lads like yeah. you know carrying speakers upstairs and like you know oh shut up you know like trying you know like you were saying <laughs> yeah. you have to make yourself more masculine you have yeah, to like laugh you don't things even off and be one of you're the lads and, then- and I went into like first day and just met like this there was like eight or ten just like gorgeous women that I'm still friends with and they were like hey oh you're the new one welcome blah 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 let's be friends and so supportive and so lovely and I'm like this is not what I've been told my whole life this yeah. is not yeah. what I've been told um as a child as a teenager um, like I don't know where this myth has come from mm. but like mm. just walking into this lovely environment and there was no like there's the girls it was all just we're all a team working together Yeah, yeah.
3: and it's yeah it's, it's so funny. Many, there's so many yeah. weird misconceptions yeah. like you Know there's also the misconception that like all girls are going to be best friends yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because you're all women, yeah. you know, yeah. you're all menstruating, so you should be besties. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, so yeah, it's yeah, there definitely is a thing. I've, of like, I, I can't yeah. make I've had that before
0: where s- somebody would uh, would say, Oh, this is this is Andrea, this is so and so, she's also a, a female right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but I'm like, You're introducing me because you can you can just stop mm. a female, yeah, yeah, or like, yeah. Oh, this is this
3: is um, oh, what was there's been a few situations where you're introduced to someone else's like. Girlfriend, yeah, and it's like now you guys go away and talk, yeah. While we go and do man things, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <And> it's like <laughs> such a, it's a weird <laughs> little yeah.
0: microaggression where it's yeah. like, oh, we'll we'll put the girls together. They can drink their cocktail over it's that so side weird. of the, yeah. <laughs> over yeah. that side of the table, and we can talk about the
4: real stuff. It's yes, so I just weird. really look forward to the day where you'd be like, this is Andrea, she's a writer. This is why yeah. she's a musician. Mm. This is a coach yeah. she's a DJ, whatever. As opposed to female, yeah, yeah. it just drives me mental. Like female musician. Yeah. What female fronted yeah. bands yeah. oh female fronted is that like a new genre that I have yeah. I
2: mean, yeah. yeah. like, what's going on if here? I had a euro for every time someone used my gender to like yeah. de- describe, describe, describe my music I would like have enough money to finish my album yeah, yeah. 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 and I think right, here like, we go, guys. by <laughs> doing that it
1: like makes that divide all the greater yeah, and you're just totally. like what and like anytime that I interview like female musician (laughs) um i i'm so like it never even like comes into my head but i'm always so like i like don't ask them what it's like to be a female musician because yeah. like, that is stupid. It's yeah. like, yeah. what is it like to write a song about? I don't know.
0: What's it like to write a song, but also you have a vagina?
1: Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's tell that me about, about, about it. But like, I was, <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm like, I, I was reading. Is it hard without a penis to, to write a song? Like, yeah. yeah. Um,
3: well, like there is, I think there's, there's definitely unique experiences for for women touring. Let's say. Yeah. There's obviously you're going to have a different experience to the experience that man a man has because yeah. you've got different needs. Mm. and stuff but from the perspective of going into a career of being a musician yeah I think it's it's fairly yeah. ridiculous to differentiate based on someone's gender because yeah. that yeah it does t- mm. totally widen the divide like
1: there was an interview with um, Micah Levi is that the <gasps> composer yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and when she it was I think from maybe two years ago but um the interviewer was like "Um, so like what's it do you think that like you could like composing the music for Jackie do you think that like made a difference because you're a female and she's like no like it didn't at all like <laughs> I know the history of Jackie Kennedy and like uh, John F. Kennedy so I just kind of like put how that must have been into sound and mm-hmm. I didn't think about being a woman it's yeah. like maybe like like obviously there's that thing where women are more, more emotional or like will have a different understanding of emotions but like everyone has a different understanding of everything that's different yeah. Yeah. like everyone yeah. is completely <laughs> unique and
2: individual yeah. so I'm
1: always just like what? Like, yeah,
2: just actually, this guy came up to me in Wheelins last night who had seen me gigging there, and he was like so hammered, and he was like, "You're just so emotional. Like, it's just so much emotions coming off you all the time." And I was like. I don't know you, <laughs> and, he, and like he'd see me like on a lineup with like in between two male bands or ever, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, you're watching the guys and you're getting into the groove, and then you see you, and it's like emotions." <laughs>
0: like oh. What? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
5: that sounds sorry. Yeah. Like,
2: Okay, I guess
0: so. <laughs> right. I and mean, that's, that's also kind of mean to the boys that were performing. Yeah, like, I was like, <laughs> do, <laughs> oh, do they not have feelings? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this seems like a good time to take a little break Um, I had a chat with um, Louise Bruton who is a journalist and pop critic and generally just an absolute soundo so um, you guys can go off and listen to that and we're all going to have a little break and a little breather so we'll be right back So Louise Burton is a journalist who writes about pop culture, music, and runs the brilliant Legless in Dublin blog. You might know her as the writer and star of Why Won't You Have Sex With Me, a sellout show at last year's Dublin Fringe Festival, and she joins me today over Skype to talk about women in pop music. So hello, Louise. Happy International Women's Day. Thank you. As someone who tends to keep an eye on pop music and pop criticism, where are we? What's going on? I think
6: that we are kind of living in the age of like clapback reviewing and clapback criticisms where um the divide I think between like the artist and the journalist isn't so huge anymore, so like, you can see like artists like Charlie x e x like calling out um, journalists for not like giving her the same credit as they would say, like a male artist and like Taylor Swift has done a very similar thing as well in the way that she's spoken about compared to like Ed Sheeran or Bruno Mars. Um, So there's kind of, there is, there is a great conversation happening, but I think the people that kind of need to be part of this conversation the most are just completely ignoring it.
0: Mm -hmm. And who, who are those people? Um, I am going to say even
6: people that don't realize that kind of sexism is such an institutionalized thing that we don't even realize we may be doing something sexist ourselves. Like, I I know that it's something that I've kind of had to kind of slap myself across the the knuckles for definitely with movies, because I would have had this thing in my head where if something is kind of like um, marketed as as a female driven movie, I would have immediately been like, oh, that's shite. And it's only in recent years that I'm like, no, why would that mean it's shite? That's just something has been put into my head from a young age. And I'm trying to kind of erase that from my way of thinking. And I think that that kind of goes across the board for a lot of people um, with music, where people might be like, oh, pop music is for little girls. Or um, if, if, say, a female singer-songwriter releases an amazing album, people are really surprised by that. Yeah. So, Like, and it's really frustrating, especially when you can see people doing it, um, people who should definitely know better. Um, But yeah, that's that's kind of thing I think there's, um, to like paraphrase Panty Bliss, like we totally have to check ourselves in the way that we talk about female artists, um, whether we're not giving them the respect that they deserve, um, because they're just women, or if we're kind of with... um, for giving them criticism because we just don't like their music so you have to figure out what it is why it is that you are thinking these things about female performers
0: yeah. i i think as well um with we, in, in terms of how we talk about you know big pop releases i, I remember when lemonade came out um there was a lot of men on Twitter talking about uh, h- how many writers and how many producers were involved with the album, which was just shocking to me. In, in a year that uh, Kendrick Lamar's The Pimple Butterfly came out, which had more <laughs> like co- co-writers and co-producers and everything, it drove me mental when it happened.
6: But like, the thing about that, like listing all the people involved in the songs, that's actually a sign of equality and that people aren't addressing that. Because there's so many songs that were written in the 50s, 60s, 70s where people wouldn't be credited at all with um, helping to create those songs. Um, So like now people are actually getting their fair share where if, yeah, they've decided that um, two seconds of the course must sound like this, then they're getting credit for actually changing that song and improving it. So that's equality and there's so many women who have actually just been erased from the history of music because men? Um, this is like kind of back in the Motown era where men would be like, "Oh no, they don't count. There's no point in there's no point in crediting them." And therefore, like a lot of women wouldn't have gotten money for like being involved in some huge songs. Like I think it's Darlene Love in during kind of the, a lot of the Motown Motown years who just wasn't credited for her involvement for a lot of it. So we've come a long way since then. And if there's sixteen songwriters involved in a song, who cares? If you're having the best four minutes of your life, those sixteen people have given you those four minutes, so so thank them.
0: Yeah. And it shouldn't it shouldn't really be an issue that, you know, if if, if there's sixteen songwriters on something and fifteen of them are men and one of them is Beyonce or one of them is Taylor Swift, that doesn't diminish the the final product, you know. <laughs>
5: there's
6: a the doorbell. I got <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was a very sudden piping down I think pop music is is interesting in its own right but like it's different in a lot of ways to alternative genres and kind of o- other places that we see women in music but one of the most startling differences is kind of how we talk about young women and girls um, what, what do you think it is about young women that seems to kind of terrify pop critics <laughs> and, and fascinate them as well I don't know what, well, like, okay, I'm 30 years of age, and I really have to kind of
6: cut myself on as well, when I am talking about younger people, to, I don't know what it is, because I do not think of them as, I do not think, think that people younger than me are lesser humans by any means, but again, there's that thing in our heads where we're just, we're told by so many people that younger people are useless, like, like that's a horrible frame of mind, that as we grow older, we kind of adapt. Mm. So I think that's just a lot of maybe older journalists who just aren't kind of shaking that idea that people who are half their age or more um, can contribute something of value. Mm. So with music, um, I think if people are kind of talking down about younger musicians, I think there's maybe an element of jealousy um, because I know I was watching... watching something on BBC 4 recently that was involving uh, Niall Niall Rogers, and he was saying that young kind of like producers they can don't even have to leave their bedroom to make a hit song. Hmm. Um, They've got kind of like the world at their fingertips, they can sample everything, they can learn about as many genres as they want um, without having to actually travel, which is something that
0: everyone else would have had to do before. It's very, in, in in my day, I had to walk through six feet of snow to get to school, and these yeah. these young folks should have to do the same. And
6: Like, I think a lot of people think that uh, to kind of earn your right in an industry, you have to um But we have we do have so much access to kind of information and sounds and influences. Um, so I think that if if people, if other musicians and journalists are looking down on that, like people aren't working as hard, Mm. I think that's just coming from a place of jealousy and bitterness that they just, um, that, that that they didn't have so easy maybe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then there's, there's also a sort of a, and I, I I have to kind of check myself with it as well with sometimes, uh, Say people like Miley Cyrus, who I, I, I know it, it isn't like a, as young as some people are coming up now, but it, sometimes older journalists or j- journalists kind of around this age, around thirty, w- might, might look and say, "Oh, is is she being exploited?" And, and and we have this sort of we we have this concern that seems to come from a good place, but it's also sort of going against. ideas that we have about freedom of sexual expression in in young women and things like that. And there is this sort of weird duality between women should be able to wear whatever they want and express their sexuality in, in however way they want. And is this girl being exploited because pop music is just kind of inherently capitalist?
6: Well, I think there is going to be a big movement within the music industry, about maybe exploitation and sexual harassment soon, because that kind of hasn't really, that hasn't gotten a, a big kind of um, kind of place in the public sphere at the moment. Mm-hmm. So I think I think we're go- I do think we're actually going to look back on a lot of kind of big acts from kind of the eighties and nineties and um, up to maybe the early nineties of younger um kind of art is definitely being exploited. Like that that's one of my big fears. i actually have a massive fear that we're gonna find out something awful about Britney Spears soon. Yeah. Um, and there's no doubt about that. Like look at what happened to her. Like something terrible certainly happened to her at one point. We saw it publicly but we don't know what the we don't know what all the what the kind of causes were of that. Mm. But I do yeah, I think again, kind of when going back to kind of what you were saying about like uh, female performers kind of wearing wearing what they want to wear. Um, I know I've overheard friends of mine refer to a little mix of sluts and I hate the word slut, I think that's Mm
5: -hmm.
6: like that word kind of sends a chill in my spine you know I know a lot of people kind of like people might have issue with like say the c word or whatever but slut is a word that just I think it, it horrifies me yeah um, when people can call a band like Little Mix who are so wholesome and do so much about empowering uh, women of any age to just kind of enjoy themselves enjoy their friends and um, like to hear someone kind of just go and refer to them as slut that's just that's just so upsetting and um, And they, they, again, they've, like, clapped back to people kind of referring to what they wear. And they're, like, they're basically just, like, we want to wear whatever we want to wear. No one's forcing us to wear this. And then, realistically, you have to look at it. Like, if you're performing and dancing on stage, you can't be absolutely covered in layers of clothing. You have to be able to move. You have to have, like, hyperventilation going on with your clothing. So, uh, you know, there's practical elements to some sheer clothing. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. (laughs) You know, you can't be, going like, dancing in baggy trousers and a big hoodie. You yeah, can, but like, it's you'll be very warm, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and as well, it's it, it's kind of like we, we expect these artists to get it right all the time and to be nearly feminist scholars, you know. To they like if, if somebody slips up once, if somebody in Little Mix says something that's even slightly problematic once, that's going to follow them around for the rest of their career. And we, we, we have this culture now where we we're so quick to attack. I think, and I think Twitter is a huge part of it because you can just you can just say whatever the hell you want on there, and and if you say something that's in any way a hot take, you you get your numbers, you get your likes, and it's great. But you kind of have to remember that these these are young women, you know, and they're like I'm I'm twenty seven now. I still feel like I don't know the first thing about feminism at this stage, and I know when I was I mean, Little Mix or what? They're in their early twenties, is it?
5: Ooh, Be good question. Go. Thank it's so hard to
0: know.
5: <laughs> <We're on Skype.
6: laughs> yeah. Um, but, but, like, the thing is, with that, like, people have kind of forgotten that there's a learning curve with almost every social issue. Mm. Like, no one is born into this world with perfectly formed uh, political or social ideas. These things are kind of um, formed by the people you surround yourselves with or the experiences you go through or the conversations that you have. Um, and feminism because it has been kind of painted as this like bad word for such a long time Mm. um in kind of like mainstream press women are kind of afraid to attach themselves to that word because they have been told for so long that it's angry bra burning women who hate all men Mm. but when you go through life, whether you're a pop star, whether you're just a regular human being, you, and as you go through life experiences, you learn the ways that feminism improves your life, and the ways to attach yourself to that. Um, so, like I know like Taylor Swift used to get like so much stick years ago when she was a lot younger, when she would say, no, she wasn't a feminist, and all that kind of thing, but she is growing up in the spotlight. Like, your early 20s, they're such formative years, And to have to do that in front of the entire world, you are going to slip up. But I don't know why we're painting these people as absolute villains when we were making maybe stupider decisions in our real life, um, getting drunk in wheelings and having stupid conversations in the smoking area. Mm -hmm. But um, the only people that heard that conversation were the people standing around you. So I think we are far too critical on people who are just kind of finding their footing and... in in kind of ideas of feminism, ideas of equal rights. Yeah,
0: and I think as well, there's there is this sort of um, on on the one hand, there's been. this kind of- massive social embrace um, of feminism now which is amazing and it's it's, it's such a turn like we, we we don't really have the idea of like the bra burning feminists anymore but now there seems to be this this other sort of more cynical view of it as you, you know when when beyonce stood in front of the big feminist screen and and people sort of criticize pop stars for exploiting or using feminism as a way to Sell records, or as a as a way to kind of gain um, like so, social notoriety, and I think it's interesting that we we do often have a lot of feminists uh, cry what like say what white feminism for for Taylor Swift or capitalist feminism for Beyonce, and it it just seems like they never seem to be able to get it right. Um,
6: well, that's also like. Th- what's right for one feminist won't be right for another, and that's just mm-hmm. the wonderful many schools that are, exist within the the label of feminism.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: And kind of in terms of Beyonce standing in front of the word feminist on, I don't know how tall, 20 by 30 foot uh, kind of lighting screen, if that was her attempt to try and sell more re- records, that was a big risk, Yeah, knowing what... Um, knowing what that word has done for women before her um, like say like um in terms of like Spice Girls they maybe didn't really use a lot of the word feminism during their peak it was girl power it was kind of it was kind of simplified it was still feminism and I've no doubt in my mind that they were doing it in the purest of ways um but we're only kind of getting to grips with the word feminist now, in the big commercial sense, yeah. And if 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 we are using it to sell, if we are using it to kind of make more money, who cares? Like, make your money. You go make your money however you want to. Yeah. Um, and to get people saying the word feminist, you would never have a, a, encountered that word in their life, um, before like well done you 've done a good job there, so yeah you, you take our millions, yeah, answer.
0: absolutely, I <laughs> totally agree and and it's it 's interesting with with the spice girls, like I mean back then it seemed to be it, it, the, the, the two things that women had were either the spice girls with girl power or fucking Jermaine greer like those those were the two kind of extremes of of female empowerment, and we we, we seem to be getting to grips with some kind of Middle ground now, or not middle ground? Because I suppose J- J- Jermaine Greer isn't really as extreme as as she used to be. She's she, she she's sort of a, a bit old fashioned now that we've kind of moved forward a bit. But but the Spice Girls absolutely were performing feminism, and I don't know if if I would have the same sort of relationship with with, with other women um, if I hadn't grown up in the time of girl power. Well, like
6: it's kind of amazing as well. Because the Spice Girls... Oh, my God. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, stop. Um, like, growing up with the Spice Girls, the fact that it was five wild women who wouldn't be... Um, who wouldn't shut up if someone told them to.
5: Mm.
6: Like, they refused to be kind of put in a box. Um, and I know that that thing's kind of ridiculous now, but, like, in, it's 1996, and they kind of... When they really kind of took over the world, and the fact that it was five individual women in a band who all had their own identity—I know it was a very curated identity for each one of them—but um, that was kind of unusual because even, like in my kind of teen years, there wasn't a lot of that either. Because you were either um, kind of—if you're at kind of like popular icons when I was a teenager, kind of in the in around 2004, 2005. You were either Britney Spears or you were Avril Lavigne, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so there wasn't really a huge mix of kind of ways to celebrate your kind of womanhood or your identity. And we're kind of getting better at that now. Um, like there, there is a much more um kind of wider scope of um just kind of the way that people think and the way that people act and the way that they dress is kind of on the lower scale, mm-hmm. but. In 1996, for a group of five women to be like, "Fuck is, we're all individual, and if you want us to pipe down, we're just going to scream louder." And that was really like there was something really anarchic about the about the Spice Girls. Like they they were just so outspoken and not like they kind of like they they stared into the face of kind of media behavior mm-hmm. and they went against it. And we kind of don't really have that anymore. Like I really do kind of miss that sort of rebelliousness that they had. Because so many kind of pop stars and musicians and generally celebrities, they're so kind of media groomed um, that while we are getting kind of more kind of socially active, I do feel like there is kind of been a little decrease in rebellion, uh, just in the kind of spontaneity of what like we never knew what the Spice Girls were going to do next, Um, but now everything is just incredibly planned. Like even like with the Taylor Swift. Uh, kind of rollout campaign you even when you know that some some surprise is coming you're already rolling your eyes in exhaustion because you're like of
0: course something big
6: is coming like yeah. we're, like we're I don't know maybe we're just complacent now towards um whatever excitement it is that people are trying to make for us
0: yeah I think when when Taylor was um like, I, I have a, a lot of thoughts on Taylor Swift. But um, I think when she was teasing uh, reputation, you know, with, with the snakes on her Instagram and all that, and I was just like, yeah, I could be excited about this, but it's just, this is what everybody is doing. You're, you're either clapping back or you're trying to make some kind of statement that's, that's just at, at, at this stage not, not really adding anything to the conversation. And like, I, I, I have a very love hate relationship with Taylor Swift, but I think that with her reputation rollout, like you said, that there, there was no real rebellion in that. It, it just seemed so contrived. And so like you said, media groomed, it, fe- it felt like it came from a boardroom instead of straight out of her mouth, you know?
6: Yeah. I kind of feel like with all the things that she's kind of experienced in the last few years, with reputation and with a lot of kind of like the messages in it, which is kind of about revenge. Mm-hmm. I really just feel like she kind of she's standing on the wrong hill for that battle. Yeah. Um, like like when you look at say Christine Aguilera's album Strip, that was a big answer back to how she was discussed in the media um, and how she was referred to as a slut. Sl- sl- but ugly, how she was known as just Britney Spears' rival. Mm. And then she just made this really deep, really deep, powerful album. I know we had song Dirty, which is like one of the greatest pop songs of all time. Um, But she kind of, her clap back was to make a really incredible emotive album. And it wasn't making a villain out of anybody, Um, like one specific person. It wasn't, you couldn't point a finger at who she was specifically talking about. She kind of embraced the wider ideas of, like, say, with her song "Beautiful," um, because she had been called ugly in the past. She had been called fat. She'd been called every kind of name under the sun. Instead of kind of kind of going after, I don't know, like TMZ or something, she just made that kind of an anthem for people who were who were feeling low in themselves, or for people who needed just a little bit of encouragement, encouragement to feel good about themselves. Whereas Taylor Swift kind of just released an album that's just like you're all terrible yeah yeah <laughs> i'm terrible and
0: i don't care who i'm gonna drag down with me because we're
6: all going down together
0: yeah yeah remember that time kanye said that bad thing about me well here's an album and <laughs> yeah, your
6: 16 songs yeah
0: yeah so funny. <laughs> and i think with, with christina aguilera as well like she like lo- looking back I like I, I loved her when I was younger and looking back like I remember the song Fighter being massive and I I was just so... Empowered by it, like I was the perfect age to hear that. I was all in my girl power, and I remember in "Beautiful" in, in the video that was one of the first gay kisses I remember seeing on television as well, or on you know MTV or in a music video or whatever. So she really did seem like she was so ahead of her time in in sort of addressing um, social issues. But it's not something that we tend to talk about very often with, with Christina Aguilera. Yeah,
6: because like, I do kind of look back on. Um... Say people who would have been quite vocal about issues like that, um, say at the time of like when Christina really stripped, or even when, say, Kanye West um, during the Hurricane Katrina telethon when he said uh, George Bush doesn't care about black people,
5: mm-hmm.
6: then we call them crazy. Mm-hmm. But if they were to do that now, we would there'd be like a BuzzFeed post with them saying how they're the heroes of our time um so i feel like there's a when you look back at a lot of vocal artists and um, they were chastised for having an opinion whereas yeah. now if you don't have an opinion you're an idiot so it's just very it's really upsetting to think that there are some artists who aren't making the art that they want to because they were painted as a lunatic by the media yeah. 15 years ago
0: yeah there's a, there's a lot with with people like Kanye and, and I think it happens with Beyonce as well where it's in, instead of you know embracing how empowering their message might be they're often painted as an angry black man or an angry black woman and there's, there's often just this really clunky sort of discussion around that where like you said with Kanye, he's he's like he's he's crazy. But I don't imagine that if that was a white guy, if that was Justin Timberlake, or like if that was one of America's sweet one of America's white sweethearts, I don't imagine that the 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 response would have been the same from the media and and from fans.
6: Well, like look at Bono, he says insane shit all the time. Yeah,
5: and,
6: you know I know we've a very strange relationship with Bono as Irish people, but. Like if you were to put quotes from Bono and Kanye side by side, there wouldn't be a huge difference in their tone or what they're saying. Um, whereas Kanye is just disregarded disregr- disregr- as an absolute idiot or a jackass, as Obama called him once.
0: Yeah, and, yeah Bono, Bono w- wins Woman of the Year. Wins Woman of the
6: Year. He addresses the UN. <laughs> he releases terrible albums, but yeah, he's giving and
0: fo- forces you know, <laughs> to download them on your phone.
6: <laughs> yeah, he's he's invading our homes. He's horrible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but he's yeah, like, and I think in 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 Ireland as well, we we don't really have pop stars here. We try, <laughs> we try our best, but we don't we, like. There's there, there there are women making music at the moment, but I think. There's there's now such a such a blur between what is pop music and what is and what isn't, um, like a lot of our, our our pop stars now are also producers and they're also this that and the other, which is great because it's, it's it's women being involved in in all all areas of the industry, but I I I can't help but sort of want the cores or I want I want some kind of um, so, some kind of Irish. Pop act that's just pure pop, and we just don't seem to really have it in this country.
6: Well, the Chorus did release an album this year, okay. that, but,
0: um,
6: but yeah, no, you're right. There is um, because we we did have a, a time, we did have a great time there <laughs> with Boyzone and Westlife and Bewitched. Mm.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, Bewitched, uh, Bewitched is probably the last massive gir- like fifth month number. Oh, we did. Yeah, she was never forget. Yeah. Um, there were six. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, God, yeah. Um, with their
6: whole two songs. Um, but, yeah, no, there is, I know, like, Niall Horn is... Yeah, like, exactly what you're saying is there... Like, we have Niall Horn, who's an Irish pop star, but he is stepping away from the word pop, and he wants to be the Eagles. Yeah. And that's fine. God bless him. But he is still pop, but he... He's kind of one of those artists I feel that are um, that really want to release authentic music. Yeah, they want to release real music. It's sort of like this the Ed Sheeran school of making music, um, where they're like, "This is real," just because it's um, a man on a guitar. Mm. But the emotions in a lot of Ed Sheeran songs are so manipulative yeah. that I would say that there is more heart in any Westlife song in compar-
0: in comparison to um what's that song that he has about uh things thinking out loud was it that one yeah or the one he wrote for one
6: direction which is all about um, oh, little things little things you've mm. got curves but i don't care like, yeah yeah like if I was a teenage girl i feel like i'd be so upset if that was what was being kind of sold to me and mm. um, i know that they, they probably think that they're doing a good thing but I don't know it just it just feels so so transparent and, and um yeah, just manipulative is the word yeah. that um but that just seems to be what a lot of um, artists are selling as real music um but it's it's just it's just as um it's completely overproduced it's um it's a bunch of guys sitting in a room deciding how we can really like pull at the heartstrings and not in a nice way. So no. yeah, I think this kind of, the discussion about real and authentic music, it just, it's really upsetting because it, it's just as forced as the like brashiest pop song that you could ever dance to.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Like I'm, I- I feel like it had, had had I been a teenager, like I'm I'm a huge One Direction fan. I miss them every day of my life. And <laughs> but had had I been a teenager when they were around, and if I heard little things, I think I think I would have been taken completely in by it. And I think I would have thought like, oh yeah, okay, these boys will like me even though I have flaws. And that's so dangerous. It's it's such a dangerous thing for for young women to hear that that it's. It's it's the mark of a good man if if he likes you even though you've got acne or whatever you know it's 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 a very dangerous kind of road to go down.
6: Yeah, like when I compare it to uh, like Backstreet Boys, as long as you love me, <laughs> <laughs> you know that was silly. They weren't trying to dress it up in any kind of intellectual cover up. Yeah, um, but. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like there's sort of like there's sort of a dangerous line out in, music, in music, where I feel like it's kind of just like prying on younger girls' insecurities, and um, we need to get rid of that. Like, mm. absolutely get rid of that. Um, do, you, do you
0: think more more women sitting in on, on songwriting and more more women sitting in on producing these kind of young male artists would help that?
6: Yeah, certainly, absolutely. Like, um, I think a lot of the time and you see this with say kind of songwriting and then you see it as well with kind of um, movies, the idea I don't want to overgeneralize, but a man's idea of what a woman wants is never the case. Like even when you're speaking with your friends, when you when you when you hear what your male friends think women want in their lives, you just kinda of shake your head and you're like, No, that is yeah. absolutely not what we want. Yeah. Um so yeah, if you if you were writing if you're writing a pop song about love, um, I think it's very important to get all the people in the room—male, female, straight, gay—to um, kind of just get a very open version of what love is, instead of um, the one-sided view of love, which mm. is only one side. Like it's—it's just—it's so frustrating um, that we are still being sold songs that are kind of um, sung at the idealized woman. And we are we are not the idealized woman, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, if only if only we could get smarter without having to dumb our songs down as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, listening to an Ed Sheeran album, for example, it's all written about the same woman, and nobody knows that woman. Like, I've never met that woman. Who the hell is she? Like, she's no. she's perfect, but she's also imperfect, and she's this and she's that, and I don't understand what what it is like it's so generic that obviously we can just put our put put ourselves in into the position of the person that he's singing about it's like it's the twilight of music you know where the main character just has no personality at all so we get to give her all of our personality and i feel like at this stage young women are are smarter than that and maybe that they'll like with the with, with the generation kind of under us like the, the generation of 14 15 16 year old girls now i think that they're starting to cop on a little bit when like co- compared to how we were at that at that age that these men are selling records to us by sort of aiming it towards the lowest common denominator or something and that that might be i think why there's there's no male pop stars really at the minute. Like I know that was a huge conversation last year. Um, that, that Where the hell are all the male pop stars? It's women that are doing it, you know? So it, 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 that might be part of the reason that we're we're listening to women now in pop music and because men just really aren't stepping it up. Well, it's sort of like, um, I feel like the woman that a lot of
6: male pop stars are singing about, she's like a manic pixie dream girl mm. in the music world. And... You know we we are see, seeing a change in the manic pixie dream girl in movies where she doesn't really exist anymore yeah where she's just sort of there to fluff the ego of this like really mean nerd wasn't that always the way it <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> mean nerds who were going out with these really ditzy beautiful but razor razor sharp smart girls yeah you could do an awful lot better um and that's kind of, like, the case in kind of pop songs now, where, like, even, like, when you go through, like, Galway Girl by Ed Sheeran, like, what do they drink on the night? Like, they drink everything, and then they're eating Doritos, and they're all, it's sort of like the cool girl, like, um, the cool girl who eats hot dogs with the guys. The, the not-like-other-girls girl. Yeah, exactly. And that is, that's horrible. Like, um, like, it, and if any men are listening to this, never tell a girl that she's not like other girls, because... Yes. Um, you should never have to compliment someone by putting someone else down. Yes. Uh,
0: and and other girls are great. They're my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> what, Tell what me I'm exactly are. like other girls. They're amazing. Um,
6: but yeah, so it's, they're kind of... There's a problem in kind of like the kind of radio music or pop music where a lot of the men are painting a very clear picture of the woman that they want. Whereas when you look at kind of like Ariana Grande's pop songs, are her love songs or her sex songs? That's all about enjoying yourself and the emotional experience of it and the thrill of it. Mm. She's not saying, "Oh my guy must be six foot four. He uh, must take me shopping." Like I'm trying to fill out like all the stereotypes yeah. that a, a woman wants in a man. He must take me shopping. He must rub my feet. I think yeah. that's a Shania Twain song actually that I'm missing up, um, but. Yeah, so I do think that there's sort of a more emotional intellect going on in female pop stars than there is male, um, but people, because because of that goddamn sexism, people just think that the male performers are just being much smarter than the women are, and they might be pitting them against each other because Ed Sheeran's wearing a shirt and jeans and Ariana Grande is there looking like an absolutely sexy motherfucker.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll probably leave it there. So, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like the idea that we're going to leave it on Ariana Grande just being a sexy motherfucker. I think that feels like a good <laughs> At <the>
6: conclusion. That's <laughs>
0: like a good place. Well, thanks so much, Louise, and have a lovely International
6: Women's Day. Very you.
5: So <laughs>
0: chatting to Louise Bruton. Um, we're, we're still all here having chats. Uh, <laughs> Hello, welcome back. Um, so to turn things to sort of more of a global music industry conversation, um, when we're looking at what something like Me Too or hashtag Me Too has done for women and men uh, in the film industry, um, I think it would be naive to think that the same bullshit isn't happening in the music industry. And... Mm. Um, like when we look at how Kesha was treated, for example, like mm. it, it it kind of signifies how how far behind we are in our industry compared to others. Um, is there a day of reckoning
2: uh, globally to I come? Hope so I really hope so. Yeah. Um, I think like I don't know. Like this has been a weird week. Like um, with like a really well known Irish music journalist that I've worked with personally and had like. You know, being alone with on several occasions, Um, so like that's kind of maybe the first big story in our industry in Ireland. Um, But it's like it's a it's a really harrowing and upsetting thing to have to deal with. Um, But also, I think it needs to be it needs to come out. Like I think I personally and probably so many female musicians I know have like really horrible hashtag Me Too stories. Um, that like, I like I think all of us um, are have like t- like whispered to each other and like told each other about. But like, I haven't ever written anything publicly or mm. spoken about things publicly. But um, it still doesn't fi- quite feel safe. Like it still doesn't feel like you know you'd be taken seriously or believed or all of these things.
0: Like- Why do you think that that's because? Ireland is such a small place.
2: Yeah, and um, yeah, definitely. Like I think so much of it is like Oh no, that couldn't have happened with this person because I know him. Like I have pints with him. And it's <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Well, I, I had pints with him too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you touched on
4: something there though. It's like the whispers, like women look out for each other. Like it's mm. always the way like you be told like oh you like, don't work with him yeah. or don't you know, maybe like if you're going to work with this particular venue or this people provide just make sure that you're not left alone with this person. You know, and you do kind of like tip people off. Yeah. Yeah, there is you definitely
2: know. a support network. There is like women definitely look out for each other. Um but then when it becomes to like when it becomes the scale of like this these people are still being hired to do this and we all kind of know this mm-hmm. stuff about certain people um but it still doesn't feel th- like safe or open fully yet
1: mm-hmm. yeah. or even where to go like yeah you know, or yeah. yeah or even Where's what can you do yeah. yeah yeah i i've been like really fortunate that like, i've never had any personal experience of that i suppose like Writing reviews, writing things. It, I'm in my bedroom all the time by myself yeah. with my laptop. <laughs> um, but like even when I've been like doing live reviews of gigs, when I'm by myself with my own notebook, I've never been approached. The worst I've got is, "What are you doing with a notebook at a gig?" And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> "Let me read about this gig tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> You'll know." Um, so I've never had any experiences. I have heard like friends say. Like or tell me like that they've had like really horrible experiences and then like that just makes me really like annoyed and like sad. But again, like I, y- you just don't know what to do with that mm-hmm. and like where to go with it. Obviously you'll say to like people, Oh, I've heard that this person is maybe a bit so Yeah. But yeah, it's, a, it's a I I found that one.
0: when I started doing live reviews um for Golden Pleck, um, it was it was always great because you'd have a plus one and most, if not all, of the time, I would bring a man with me because gigs just—I've—I've I've had awful experiences at <laughs> gigs, whether I was re- reviewing or whether I was whether I just bought mm. a ticket. But um, there's the odd gig that you can't get a plus one to, like a, mm. a, a big gig, and you have to go along on your own. And it got to a stage where i, I was like, I'm not—I'm not going to these gigs anymore. I'm not doing it on my own anymore. It's just really yeah. yeah yeah just like groups of lads, groups of men, and I suppose it, it depends on the gig. Um, yeah, but it just. What annoys me about it is I'm here to do a job, mm-hmm. I'm working, I, mm-hmm. kn- I know you're out with your mates and I know you're 12 pints in and we're off mm. foals or whatever we're at, but I'm here working and it's it's an interesting place that we work when when our job is to go and report at a gig mm. and everyone, like imagine going into an office and everyone, like the majority of the people are male and they're hammered, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you're and you're there doing something a little bit out of the ordinary, like you said. You're there with a notebook yeah. or whatever, and it's it's such a
1: weird environment. And, and you have like a gla- a pint of water, and yeah. they're like, oh, "What's wrong with you?" And you're like,
0: oh
2: God, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nothing. Yeah, um,
1: but I always preferred. Actually, that's funny that you said that you would always go with someone. I always preferred going by myself to do that because, like you said, it's a job. So when I would go to a venue, is where you have to go to see the support act. So um, you're there from very early when yeah. the venue is quite empty to then like the crowd like spill in. But I always kind of had a tunnel vision where I tried as much as I could to block out everything around me yeah. and just like focus on what I'm doing. And as soon as the gig would finish, I would just go home and yeah. start my work. I would very rarely... I think if ever, like especially when I started, I don't think I ever went for a pint afterwards. Yeah, I would always run straight from my bus, go home, write the piece. I'd be the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So when you treat it like that and you just kind of get the head down and do it, Mm. um, don't really kind of interact with people at them. It's a very lonely life. (laughs) (laughs) I have that
2: with doing gigs as well because I don't have a band. I just turn up on my own and I'm like, hey guys. Um, which yeah, is nice Is as it well, intimidating so to to go into a venue
0: um, alone uh, as a woman with your equipment and whatever you need? What you
2: yeah, do. I used to find it really intimidating, but now it's like it is kind of like a job, and it's just yeah. like going to work. And yeah. you know, the most annoying thing is trying to carry my amp. Like I'm so physically frail, so I'm like trying <laughs> to carry all my stuff. Like, oh. yeah. Um, but um, yeah, like it doesn't it doesn't really bother me anymore. Um, like I used to like arrive, especially when I moved to London. I just didn't know anyone, and th- like obviously I had no one coming to my gigs because I didn't. I just arrived in the city mm. where I knew no one, mm. and I'd be like playing, and everyone would arrive with their friends or whatever, and I was like, mm. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it doesn't bother me anymore. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and when we think about women in the in, in the industry, I guess in in Ireland and w- wider. Um, who who do we feel are the women that are changing things for the better and how are they doing that? Us. <laughs> us, yeah. yeah. us. I don't think all there's us. any any
4: bad like you know it's what we were saying earlier women aren't bitching competitive we yeah. do actually yeah. all look out for each other hey mm. you don't like everyone but you're still gonna if you, you should, can help yeah. someone you will Yeah. you know and I think that's just kind of the way it is really isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's nice Yeah and
1: I think like organisations like. Um, i remember i interviewed them last year uh girls rock dublin i was just yeah, gonna you, say yeah, like I, I was working with that. a really them. great initiative where like they're encouraging like teenage girls to use their voice learn an instrument and like channel their personalities and maybe want to inspire future generations through music i think that's great um i think more of that and just like more of everyone like yeah of our own like just to like encourage your peers Um, like as I said like Siobhan Kane, who is like an incredible writer um, she was the one that really gave me the kick up the bum to be like do this and Mm. every time I see her now since um, and she's a really good mate um, every time she will always turn to me and she'll be like right I want to talk to you now about your writing and I'm like oh god (laughs) (laughs) because like she's kind of like a mentor to me and I think as well when you're in school and if you have a good teacher you Mm. always want to like Mm -hmm go to that, per- like, your class with your homework is deadly and you'll get, like, mm-hmm. five stars for it. <laughs> um, but whenever I see her or people that I really look up to, I'm always like, oh, I want to, like, tell them that I'm doing this. So I think mm. if you're doing things... That you feel are even making a difference, mm. and then you can go back to someone that you look up mm-hmm. to, and yeah. then maybe do it yeah, for someone I think else. It's
0: about having that kind of network, yeah. Of women, yeah. I think, and like you were saying, Claire, like we don't all have to get along. Mm. We don't yeah. all have to like each other's music or like. Yeah. But but
2: it's just like a m- mutual respect and like yeah. understanding yeah. that we're all kind of having the same experiences. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. I think
0: in, in the past, um, in the past year or so, with. The repeal movement that really seems to have um, to have its place in Irish female um, musicians, you know, in in terms of coming together and putting on gigs to mm. raise money, and it's it feels like that has a place in in the music industry in a really interesting way. Um, and w- women seem to be able to use their music as an instrument for change mm. sort of more, e- even more yeah, than Yeah, well, social yeah. activism
3: has been huge yeah. in Ireland for the past. Like, it's always been huge. Ireland has always been a massively socially active country in mm. every single way. <laughs> but um, recently, in the past few years, social activism has, has become a massive, massive thing between protests against... Um, it might be something everyone has their own causes, you know, it might, might have been uh, about water charges, random one, but it might have been about the Eighth Amendment, it might you know, there's there's so many different causes that have come up in the past couple of years that women have rallied around. Um and musicians in general have rallied around. And I think it's such a great rallying call to have those different causes that no matter what your genre, no matter what your other beliefs are, you all share this this same drive to make social change. Yeah. And I think that's really cool that you can use art to do that. Like obviously it's great to focus on your own art and your own abilities and to not you might not want to become a political mouthpiece sometimes you're kind of forced into that position yeah, a little yeah. bit but especially as women yeah yeah mm. but I think it's uh, it's cool to be able to do it and to yeah. choose to do that is very yeah. cool choose choice, choice,
2: choice. <laughs> and especially like I don't know if you find this or whatever but like as a songwriter or like the fact that I spent like invest so much of myself and my life into like this really frivolous thing. Like it's like oh I write songs and people are out there you know doing open heart surgery, but I'm you know <laughs> fretting over a chord structure. Yeah. And then like you know you can like um, internalize these feelings of like this isn't a a, an important thing to do. Where like yeah. you know people are dying of starvation and I'm like like you know doing this really luxurious decadent thing. And then like you know obviously that's not true because there's all th- Everything has validity, but like being able to use this like frivolous thing to like raise money or like Mm. raise awareness for like causes that you care about. Like, you know, um, just like walking around Dublin, like it's impossible not to feel like, I don't know, like a weird like guilt at like, oh, I have a home and there's like 20 people on the pavement here. But like just last week, um, my friend Cara um, organized a fundraiser in workman's for the Simon community and I th- we I think we raised like nearly a grand like oh, wow. just from the gig and it was like oh wow we're just like able to do that small thing and it, like mm-hmm. makes you feel like you know it maybe it's not yeah as, be able to like you know yeah just yeah. I think
3: beyond like raising funds as well just to be able to, like the fact that what we do for our like careers can reach someone on such a deep level sometimes like you can yeah, write a song with yeah. one lyric that one person associates with and gets and it can help them process. Something that they yeah. haven't been able to understand for themselves in a very long time. You yeah. know, yeah. you might write something that you, on the day, it was just an off the cuff comment, and you put it into a song. And then yeah. someone comes to you and says, "I heard this lyric, and it just got me through this situation or this experience." And I think, like that human connection with people, the ability yeah. to connect yeah, yeah. that deeply with people—it's
2: really amazing. That that's happens. such a privilege yeah. that we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah it really is amazing. And I think even when when, when
0: you look at the um, Irish sort of. Uh, women and and men who who are so vocally supportive of of something like repeal and mm. it's it's like when you walk through the airport and and you see somebody wearing a repeal jumper or yeah. if you see a person that you look up to just even wear wearing it or doing something for that cause it can be so mm. impactful Absolutely. to somebody's yeah. life. Um, and even even if those people have never had to go through those experiences, it's just I really feel like Ireland at the minute has this sort of collective um, like unity or something mm, yeah. It's women where we're we're all just like right we are fucking sick of this like we mm. yeah. <laughs> like just sort this out yep. and it's artists are coming together and writers and and musicians and I feel like within within the music scene. Particularly, it just feels so heightened. Mm. Like I know the the Lingo gals are like very supportive of repeal. Yeah. I mm. went to see uh, Saint Sister last year, and um, y- y- I couldn't count the amount of repeal jumpers that were in the. So it it just feels like there's a really interesting moment happening at the minute between. Irish culture and Irish politics yeah, mm. and, yeah. and it's a very youth led sort of thing um, what are your thoughts on, on that?
1: Well, I mean it's great because like especially with seeing musicians like even wearing a repeal jumper um, it might strike something with a 14 year old or a 15 year old who will see this jumper and even if it's from a superficial point of view initially and they're like that's a really cool jumper I wonder yeah. what that means mm-hmm. and then maybe they go exploring a bit more and then they'll find out more about their country and their heritage through seeing someone wearing that. And then it's also so important for musicians to be passionate about politics because they have a platform that a lot of people aren't given an opportunity to have. Um, And because musicians are such... um, They're so influential to people. Um, Like you were saying, Emma, like... Um, musicians could have a lyric and someone could be like, oh my god, I completely get that. Like, mm-hmm. I find it really hard sometimes to articulate maybe thoughts that I have in my head but I hear a lyric and I'm like, oh my god, that's my yeah, right fear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. um, so like, musicians really need to understand the responsibility that they have and um, like take it seriously and try and do as much as they can for something like mm. this because it's not like it's not just a trendy thing. I know that, like, a lot of people could be quite like critical and cynical about it and just say it's trendy politics, yeah, bandwagoning, exactly. Yeah, like, um, so I think people just kind of need to like park that a little bit yeah. and then go, okay, yeah, a sweatshirt, it is pretty trendy. But it's that's not what it's about. Mm. It's yeah. about like a very very fundamental and issue that needs to be rectified. Like yeah. you know? I, I often
0: find that those people that have those criticisms of um, of how uh, the repeal movement are going about things, they d- they don't really have any suggestions. They yeah, they, have, they don't have have themselves. Yeah. yeah, it's like, well, how how would you want to do it? And it's yeah. like, oh, well, just just not like this. And yeah, it's like, it's just hiding behind yeah. anger, which yeah. is yeah. not good. I think it's people
4: yeah. that just don't understand. Like someone said to me recently, and like. This is a good person. He's a good person, but he's just blind to the issue. Mm. And um, kind of came up. I was wearing the jumper. Came up. He goes, oh, but this is just like the next, you know, trendy thing, isn't it? And I was mm. like, what? He's like, well, like the Yes campaign, like that was like trendy, and now oh this is like God. the one that I've been getting behind. And mm. I was like, well, I know it's actually like it's a very emotive issue, and it's very very important to a lot of people. And it's, and it's you know, and and he was kind of looking He was like, okay. But like he just he did it just hadn't yeah. occurred to him that it was something that genuinely like wow. meant so much to so many people. It was just like oh but this like is especially new-
3: for like someone like yourself, like as a front-facing person who has a huge fan base and has a huge kind of a, an audience who are maybe not all, not all necessarily pro-choice. It's a it's a brave thing to do to kind of stand out there and wear a repeal jumper and be openly pro-choice mm-hmm. and to kind of you know plant your flag and say you know what this is this is how I feel about it. I might lose. A percentage of my following but it's worth it because mm. I want to support yeah because it's movement. too important mm. yeah
4: it's a funny one as well like because like I I said this on the Fear Fun podcast that we recorded the other night as well like I am a bit concerned about people who are not pro-choice feeling just like complete because it's gonna I think the media is gonna spin it and make it quite nasty like mm. it is already mm. quite nasty yeah. at certain you know there's extremists on both sides um but I'm a bit concerned that someone who maybe is uh, anti-choice, but they just haven't really thought about it or they yeah. don't have all the facts or they've been fed some misinformation. They're not going to feel comfortable speaking up and talking to someone about that and getting more information because they think that they'll just be shouted down. Yeah. yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. So that's kind of... I feel like part of the campaign on the pro-choice side of things, a really important part of it that's kind of not being given enough of a voice is this perspective that... Being pro-choice is not necessarily being pro-abortion. Yeah, exactly. So the fact that you're pro-choice and the fact that you um, believe that women are responsible and intelligent enough to make this choice for themselves doesn't mean that you want to go out and have an abortion tomorrow. It just Mm -hmm. means everyone is entitled to that autonomy. And that's a really huge part of it that needs to be pushed out there because there is this bizarre concept that women are somehow going to be forced to have abortions if (laughs) if it's legal in this country. And it's just... Like, my uh, my uh, my cousin's wife is a lawyer, a really brilliant uh, lecturer-in-law, and she's been, as much as possible, putting out posts on her Facebook page talking about all of the aspects of pregnancy and women's bodily autonomy, not just abortion, and uh, not just the actual birth of a child, all of these aspects that are being affected by the Eighth Amendment that need to be addressed. And, uh, yeah, we need to make it like a much broader thing I need to look at every possible angle on it because there's mm-hmm. stuff like women being forced to have caesareans without you know not being given those choices during yeah. childbirth and there's so much more to it there's tons to it yeah. it's so complex and yeah. there's people just looking at it in a very black and white way which is uh, ironic because the jumpers are black <laughs> and white <Yes.
0: laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's interesting because I think it, like to, to, to bring it back to kind of the arts like our, our artistic communities have traditionally always been very left leaning mm. and and progressive. Um, it's interesting to note that there. I mean, I I can't think of a uh, anybody who's anti-choice who's making music or writing mm. or artists or, or or anything like that. Mm. And it's it's interesting that that those artistic communities tend to want to place themselves on the liberal side of history. Yes. You yeah. know, mm. um, and. Yeah, just, yeah, that's just in, interesting. Yeah, I wonder <laughs> how many people, I mean, y-
3: you wonder how many people are anti-choice but just aren't being vocal about it. Yeah. yeah but we're all making the assumption within. that everyone in this room yeah. is pro-choice. Yeah, we didn't yeah. actually yeah. check with each other. But that
4: it, that is a thing, like, and there's a certain not even like an arrogance but there's a certain like assumption you're like well this is what I believe yes, yeah. and therefore I assume that everyone else is going to believe it too Absolutely. but like yeah. the people on the anti-choice side are also like that they're like mm. no but like why do you want to kill? Like, Why yeah. do you wa- yeah, Why yeah, are you yeah. wanting to murder babies? And mm-hmm. they have just this whole image in their head so yeah. I don't know I wish we could all just sit down and have a civilised discussion that. about it yeah. and yeah.
3: you know. Yeah there's been a lot of very interesting kind of debates not debates I don't want to call it a debate because I hate debate culture but that um, <laughs> Based discussions uh, going on in different colleges and different kind of this different formats happening right now where people are just talking through the facts of what's actually happening. I think the mm. you know the um, oh I'm blanking on what it was called that big group of people that came together to talk the about citizens the, that's the one the <laughs> one um, with citizens and gathering. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that seemed like a really productive, progressive way of dealing with what's going on here. Just dealing with the facts and having people on both sides. Uh, more or less equally represented talking about their very much fact based opinions yeah which
0: is yeah I think that's that's the difference because when when we look at you know this like oh, RTE programs or if, if it's ever been discussed in the Late Late Show or, or cer- certain radio shows um, the idea that it has to be a balanced discussion usually means that it's somebody from the repeal side and then somebody from the Bloody Iona Institute yes. or from the church and it's yeah. like that's not equal That's representation. not representation yeah. that's that's uh, putting right. church and state against each other, or yes. church and liberalism against each other, and that's not a fair footing. Mm. Like, I know for me personally, I've I, I've had discussions with anti-choice people in my family and um, like fre- friends who'd, who'd be a little bit older. I don't I don't think I know anyone who's, who's anti-choice who's my age, but I'm sure there are people. Um, but I've had those discussions with people, and we've we've both gotten something out of it. We've both been able to kind of see things from the other yeah. person's point of view, even for a second. Yeah, and then you go back to your own, mm-hmm. to your own kind of, um, your own belief system. But is 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 is, is there ways that artistic and and musical communities see, seem to be doing things that just doesn't seem to be happening elsewhere in in in, in other industries and what what can we take from what we're seeing in the Irish music scene in terms of how, how much it's politically involved and kind of bring that out of this trendy sort of um, I, I'm doing air quotes for our listeners at home <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, out of this kind of trendy sphere and and have it be taken more seriously.
5: Yeah,
2: I Big think question. like I think the repeal <laughs> yeah. campaign especially like um like I remember signing the uh you know the artists campaign yeah. repeal whatever it's called. I remember signing that maybe like 4 years ago now and it was like very like you know the campaign to repeal the 8th amendment hadn't like quite kicked off into the mainstream and it was like I like I remember like going on pro choice marches in Galway where there'd be like 20 people. And right. now it's like thousands and thousands so that's amazing but uh, like there was there has been a definite shift into like mainstream consciousness in maybe the last two years maybe mm. Mm. yeah uh, which is really good like it's amazing to see that happen after like feeling feel like you're bashing your head against the wall yeah, for yeah. years
0: mm. and I, I i know that i i didn't have a full understanding of what the eighth amendment really entailed un- until this campaign really properly kicked off mm. um because Abortion isn't something that you want you you want to look into that much mm, it's no. a, it's a very strange issue to navigate yeah I think until you're woman.
3: like faced with a choice like that yourself, you never really want to think about it yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Not and then not.
0: it's it's people on on Twitter who were just k- kicking off these amazing like movements and
5: mm.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like I think like um for for years because it just wasn't being addressed in the like government conversations or mainstream media, that artists especially, and not just to give credit to artists because there's been like movements across all industries, but like artists particularly are people with a public platform. Mm-hmm. So it was like maybe we have um, a duty to you know, start talking about this. And start yeah, and you're
3: considerably context. less likely to see a collective of accountants coming in yeah. and talking about <laughs> yeah. their stance on Repeal the Eighth. Yeah. Yeah. And they yeah.
0: might well be doing They that. might well be doing it, but it's
3: not as visible to the yeah. public. But yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. fair
1: play, accountants yeah. out there, please keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. accountants <laughs> for repeal. Yes. If, you're, if, if you're there, mm. get in touch with us. <laughs> <laughs> but it kind of goes back to, like, the beginning of history and music and politics. Like, they've always been so, like, hand in hand where... Something will always irk society that a government is doing or implementing, and then you'll get like protest music from mm. like Joan Baez or Bob yes. Dylan, and then it just keeps trickling down and Absolutely. it gets bigger and it becomes more diverse and it reaches mm. different genres and it reaches Even more right people. Now
0: with, yeah. with with what's happening in hip-hop in, in mm, the United yeah. States it's it's nearly impossible to be a hip-hop artist at the moment and not be making some form of protest mm. music yeah which is in- incredibly interesting uh, especially when it crosses over into the mainstream with you know like Beyonce's performance at the Super Bowl in 2015 mm-hmm. or Kendrick at the at the Grammys yeah. um, and that kind of duality between music and politics is something that I've always been interested in but I've never been able to nail down exactly where it comes from
1: I suppose it's just Anger and they have yeah. the they the mm. have the platform
2: because like, they have the drive to so do so it. much work is driven by that anger mm. Um I, mean, I know even in my own songwriting so much of it comes from anger mm. and a feeling of helplessness yeah. as well and like yeah, how do you override that helplessness yeah like as, as a solo
3: musician as one person how what what can you do to make any kind of societal shift like mm. really unless you write something that somehow empowers other people. To, to do something about it, and mm-hmm. then you've got this collective energy that will make a difference, mm-hmm. but until yeah. such time as you write that song or you get you know you yeah. get it out there what can you do so I yeah. think a lot of people are really driven by the the dream of a song they write creating societal change yeah <laughs> yeah
0: that's R- a dream. writing their redemption song yeah <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and if if you guys were when when you end up with a song that's political or with a song that's sort of um socially conscious. Do, do you find yourself going in with, with that in mind? Or do you ever end up with a song and you're like, oh, God, politics. When does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, run! <laughs> um, I've written a few things that I wrote
3: uh, wrote in kind of a spur of the moment. This feeling is so strong that I need to write this song. And they've done quite well. Yeah. Um, I have wanted, I think any th- time I've wanted to write something like specifically about um, an issue, it's been rubbish right. or the song just hasn't come out because it, it's too contrived. Yeah, that yeah. approach is too contrived um, for me. I can fully appreciate that there are people out there who will sit down at a typewriter or...
0: <laughs> <laughs> in the 1800s. <laughs>
3: I fully appreciate that there are time travellers out there that will- <laughs> Sit down and want to write about Reveal the Eighth. Um and just will go for it and write a song and it's a cracker and savage well done. But I personally cannot sit down with a with an agenda in mind mm. and, and write a song. Mm. But um I think each to their own in terms of their approach. I'm sure you have the same thing with journalism. Sometimes you've you've stuff that you really want to write about and yeah. you just can't get the words.
1: Yeah. yeah. I used yeah. to have to do like a weekly um column and every week I had to do an intro to it. And I remember just the panic on like the Thursday I think I used to have to done by like Friday or Saturday where I had to have like my intro done and I'd be like oh Jesus I have to think <laughs> of something to write about there was one day that I was so um, just like I can't do this where I was so bad like I tried I had started cooking for the first time and I tried to correlate music with cooking and like (laughs) described music videos through a recipe where I was like yeah a pinch of this and I was like oh my god this is literally this (laughs) I'm going to leave a link to that in the podcast (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah yeah, like when you do go into something charged I think you just kind of stop yourself and Mm. you're just like and then your head against the table and you get more frustrated and then yeah
2: i think like it can happen subconsciously as well like with um, with that song flowers um that like i don't know i don't really like to say what songs are about because they can be about different things for whoever listening to them but like it was definitely kind of about sexual assault and as i was recording it like in the middle of the recording process um, all of the Weinstein allegations started coming out oh. and it was like oh god this is suddenly like this f- suddenly feels like really topical and like you know it did feel like I did, like I did I wasn't setting out to write a political song mm. or anything it was just like mm, sad feelings put into yeah. a melody <laughs> or whatever and then um, and people have said that like people have been like is this song like your hashtag me too story and I'm like oh. yeah. but so it, it can happen like um, I think if you're like Conscious and like your mind is constantly on political things because you know we live through them all the time. It's kind of inevitably going to filter into your work, I think. Mm. Oh, but yeah, then, definitely. like, if I'm going to be like, I'm going to sit down and write a song about feminism, it's going to be like terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And Claire, do you do you ever find um, I suppose more more in your like presenting side of things? Do you, do you ever find that these issues? You, you you want to be talking about that you can't, or or are you given quite a lot a lot of freedom?
4: Yeah, it depends now, like um because there's certain things like if you're hosting a talk show, for example, you're supposed to you know have balance and different things. But like what I do is hosting music shows, mm. you know, so you kind of don't really it, it kind of doesn't come up, do you know. It would be contrived to shoehorn it in, yeah. Do you know that kind of way? And um yeah, it's a funny one because um like media organizations are very very scared of getting sued you know yeah. and there's um i put my foot in it completely a little while ago i was invited onto primetime to there's a bit at the end where they talk about the headlines of the day but um i didn't quite get that it was supposed to be just talking about the headlines and we weren't supposed to give opinions oh. um so i got like I, my Twitter feed was just going mental afterwards and all these people going who is this pro-choice bitch oh talking man. about oh repeal, gosh. this is a balanced mass, you're going to have to get someone on and all, and I was like, wow. but I just I thought you asked me what what my problem was and I told you yeah. <laughs> um, you know, in relation to the story but yeah, and I kind of, because I had been out of working in regular radio for a while and I kind of like, crap, I totally forgot that that
3: would be a TV thing as well, mm. and it was a genuine mistake but was, did you find that you had like the opposite response to that as well where you had people kind of coming on saying thankfully you know like grateful that you kind of
4: Kind of yeah like those people being like oh that was cool but it was yeah. definitely a more vocal um, Negative background Yeah <laughs> on Twitter, but it was just to kind of it, it, it was in relation it was two separate news stories both of which had a reference to the Eighth Amendment. They right. gave me both stories, and then they asked my opinion on the second. Was you know, so it yeah. was I wasn't going to not say it, of course. But um, I did um, this. This I can't even remember now. But there's this notorious troll on Twitter, and he kind of like he just goes through looking for mentions and then like spews yeah, abuse at people. And he wrote all this like horrible stuff to me, and he was like blah blah blah, and you're this that and the other. And I looked at his profile picture, and he had a picture of a dog in it, and I was like, listen and we obviously don't agree on this issue but can I just say your dog is adorable and he was yes. like thanks that's actually my old dog who passed away this is my new and I was like also oh, so adorable and he was like we're not going to agree but I appreciate that you know you're a good person if you like dogs and those oh people private God. messaging me going I cannot believe wow. you managed to thaw wow. him and I was like I didn't know You've seen a was. few <laughs> stories like that
3: on in the internet recently where like people on Twitter have found out ways of thawing trolls and like mm-hmm. just kind
4: of, it wasn't even intentional I was yeah, just yeah, like yeah, no, it's yeah just, but I wouldn't comment normally but it's a really cute dog. I'd yeah. like to find out its name. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just I maybe come visit a and back. argue about this? <laughs> I saw a, a girl on Twitter. It might have been yesterday or the day before, and I'm very sorry that I don't remember wh- what her name is. But there was somebody um, tweeting her a lot of abuse about something, you know, as, as, as happens, and um, she just kept replying, asking him to... Um, explain what he meant I saw <laughs> oh my Jesus. god I saw that I yeah, it to yes. me like a five year old she's like sorry I don't actually know what you mean by that and she kept going and kept going and absolutely incredible. I think
3: it's a whole new internet technique now learning yeah, how to deal genius. with those kind of people it's yeah.
0: like, yeah. it, it's going back to that like my, my mom would have also so, uh, always said to me like just kill them with kindness kill them with kindness yeah. and, and yeah. when I was growing up I'm like that's not how you get things that's not home. how you kill people But well, she was right I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. you do have to like, you, you have to sort of e- even if it is coming from a place of being a bit funny about it or, or mm. a kind of making fun of them or whatever yeah. but there's mm. no point in getting into shouting matches God. with people on Twitter like no. it's, it's,
2: so, it's so cringy when you see it happening as well yeah. it's like I admire people who are like you know saying the right things or saying things like real but it's like don't give these idiots the energy yeah. like it's just and emotionally draining it, oh god I've done it so down, much like, oh, as well mm. now I'm just like block block block, yeah. block. Yeah. 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 I think
1: it happened to me once where I saw someone um, sassing Fair City on Twitter and I was just like yeah we well, are tweeting about it I love Fair City and I was like yeah well you're tweeting about it and he was just like mm, okay yeah move on and
2: I am like, mm, okay, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the the, worst one? <laughs> yeah. that, the most mm-hmm. bizarre thing like that for me was like um, my friend, or this girl I know, like was asking someone to boycott a festival because, um, um, like uh someone had been accused of sexual assault was like headlining or something and I like retweeted it or something and Sean Lennon was like playing at the festival and he started like like how dare you call everyone who's playing ah. at the festival a misogynist and I Do was like you? yeah oh oh god. God. and I was like oh my god John Lennon's son is in my mentions what? and then I was like oh <laughs> my god and he like I'm Can still meet up and talk <laughs> <about him>? <laughs> <laughs> like want to collaborate <laughs> oh my I, I'm like still blocked by him now so oh no so oh,
3: that's kind god. of an honour to be honest blocked by Sean Lennon I
0: know
2: yeah, yeah. the name of your next album make that your- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, bless him oh, <laughs> my, my block list on Twitter is That's so long. <laughs> I've never blocked anyone actually. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I
5: yeah,
4: I, I can't be arsed yeah. I just to be honest, don't like yeah. mm, enough going on like I just yeah. You yeah. know, there's so like and I do and like, I kind of jump in, like I jump in sometimes if people are like if you see someone is upset about something, I will tweet them be like Block them and move on. Like yeah. don't, yeah, don't yeah. get upset about this. Like yeah. this is yeah. not worth your time. But for me, like I, I, I don't know. I think I'm just too lazy. Like I, like I scroll Twitter and I'm like, oh, the, like oh, that's a nice dog. Like like, and I yeah. kind of, and I will talk with people. Like I'll chat about music or chat about like certain things. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be bothered like getting into. Yeah, yeah a big it, fight it, with yeah. someone who's who's just looking for a fight. They're yeah. not actually interested it's in a respectful debate. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think
0: I I I imagine you you guys would have a, a similar thing with Twitter, where like when I'm scrolling through Twitter, it's. It's basically just music, and it's yeah. musicians. and I've like and curated
2: mine to only be music now. Yeah, I just can't yeah. deal with like So then, when somebody the comes in, yeah,
0: outside of it, like I've I haven't tweeted anything about repeal, and I don't know how long, just because I I was getting these people yeah. coming into my mentions, and I'm like, this is my. Safe space, mm. <laughs> yeah. <definitely. laughs> First mention of spa- safe space on the <laughs> podcast as well. But you know, this is go away and yeah. just mute. Block, There's
3: actually um, there was this really bizarre Twitter account for ages. It might still be there, mm. but what it was doing was it was targeting people that had any kind of a following or anything. And I remember at one point I was tweeting about repeal. Just it was just one of my I was responding to something that had happened, and this account like shared loads of my stuff, loads of my music videos and stuff but with these captions like Emma Langford notorious, um, baby killer uh, oh has God. just released a music video, don't watch this um, music video, all this kind of stuff and like, th- like the most bizarre That's so bizarre strange. stuff and but just also don't they
0: know that by sharing your music video, I mean I'm totally fine with this. <laughs> please going yeah. to watch it
3: please, like. please promote this <laughs> yeah, um,
0: yeah so it was weird. really bizarre
3: and yeah they would kind of quote tweet stuff I had been Tweeting months ago, like random little promotions for gigs and stuff being like, um, definitely not going to this bitch's gig and all this <laughs> kind of stuff. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my like God. also not a time traveler. <laughs> <Yeah. so. laughs>
4: How am I going to figure this out? it was the bizarre thing.
3: They, like, cause I had really hashtag huge. repeat in my bio or something. I think it probably still is there, but mm. yeah, that's got to be see-
4: some people that are there just sitting at home, yeah, though, like trawling
0: like, hashtags, are these hashtags these looking are for mentions like Zara you know? with her Fair City. oh like, <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, where are these monsters? Don't support this musician. she hates Fair
0: City. <laughs> yeah.
1: They <It> really upset <laughs> me though. Like, I love Fair City so, um, <laughs> so um, yeah. but it's was just, like don't be negative and I think it goes for everything just don't be negative about something for the sake of it like, no, yeah, I think think like it's really easy, easy to run. fall into yeah, that yeah, trap totally.
4: have you ever um considered submitting an episode of fair city like would you like to write for the show
1: or is that do just do breaking it. the fourth wall no, that would, that would be a dream. Would that no, make your dream that would actually just make me pass out with excitement <laughs> um, but there was one where I had to do um an al- album reviews um on rte and I remember like the peak was I think I saw I didn't even get to see Carrickstown. I saw a sign for Fair City mm-hmm. and I was so excited that like I was trying to like really stealthily take a picture of myself with <laughs> this <laughs> sign. That was just a regular directional sign um of me with the Fair City sign, but I got caught so badly and I was like hey. <laughs> <laughs> Um but I you never know. I feel like we need to title years, this podcast like Zara wants to write for tonight. <laughs> <Zara for laughs> Make fair a city. dream
4: come true. <laughs> Do. <Dude. laughs> I'm going to be your new, like, bully person now yeah. that gets you to yeah, things. do things now. Have
5: You're you written that episode? Do do? Come on though,
4: <laughs> Siobhan Kane, move over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Not to
4: call Siobhan Kane a bully. I mean, bully yeah. in a good way, yeah. Yeah. obviously.
1: Like, bullying you Encourage, into bettering yourself. Yeah. Encouraging, yeah. that's yeah. the word. So, Zara,
0: you'll have your episode of Fair City Please, the next while. Please, Um what, dream. what else have you got coming up? Have you anything
1: <coughs> that you need to be plugging? Um, just... Constantly <laughs> reviewing and writing for Toby Dudens, the Thin Air and Oh god. The quietest. So um, yeah, where, those well, where can three? we find you on the internet? Oh if you me. Want to tweet at you. Um I think it is Zara underscore Hederman. Okay. Keep it simple. Very Keep cool. it safe. <laughs> And uh, Claire, what what have you got coming up?
4: Well, my friends, it's coming into (laughs) festival season, (laughs) a.k.a. the most wonderful time of the year. So all going well. I will be spending most of, I suppose, May onwards in various fields. Brilliant. All over the place, so that'll be good. But no way to say this i like sounding like an asshole but can I give you details just yet because nothing is name. Yeah. <laughs> oh you're one of those one of those yeah I'm just like working on some projects and collaborations <laughs> right now and I'm so excited to not be able to tell you about them <laughs> That was me being sarcastic to <laughs> at home going I, mean, I hate her so much I can't face. believe she's doing that Have <laughs> got a couple of podcasts
5: in the podcast.
4: I doll? do So I have a podcast on the wonderful Headstuff network called Fear Fun um, where we get a group of strangers together in a room to ask and answer the question what is your biggest fear? So we record that once a cool. month in Bellow Bar in Dublin. So we would love to have you come down. And also please like, subscribe, rate, review <laughs> and do all of those wonderful things. Headstuff.org, all the details are up there. Fear fun. And where can we find you on
0: Twitter?
4: At Clare Beck 105.2.
0: Nice. Oh, that makes me <laughs> It's been, been there since it's been there since
4: the phantom days. Oh, I'm not changing it. I'll down never down
0: change
3: it.
2: Forever.
0: <laughs> um, Maya, what have you got going on?
2: Um, just trying to like write and record at the moment, but I'm very bad at procrastinating, getting mm. work done. also has some like top secret fields to be in. Over the <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, Love top secret fields. Top <laughs> secret fields. Um, but yeah, apart from that, just yeah. Hopefully like working on an album that will materialise at some point but I haven't got a date yet so
0: um, and Emma what's going on?
3: Um, I'll probably be hanging out in fields but that'll just be like having picnics and stuff <laughs> <laughs> um, not festival well there might be some festivals but like, there's a lot of fields that I want really want to sit in so um, and beyond that I am um, I've got like three different songs that I want to release as a single in the next couple of months and make a music video for but more than likely gonna just put this out there. My next single will be Tug of War and I'm going to be releasing it for Sjöktanagwälgha, Osgöälgha as well Um, and making a little music video for it as well and that's actually a song I wrote about anxiety and stuff. Topical, topical, topical. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, it was a, a song I wrote when I was kind of fairly depressed and in a fairly shy place and it Pulled me out of it and made me do things, and, and so and now it's going out into there, out, in, out there to the world for people to listen to and uh, and relate to and stuff. Um, so yeah, that's the next and we thing. Can keep an eye on your. your you can, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm all over social media, um, all the time. I'm on Twitter at E Langford Music, and I'm on Facebook, and I'm on everything. So very yeah. good, mm-hmm.
0: yes. great. And I want to give a big thank you to our lovely producer today, Tas oh Galer. <laughs> Taz has a hey guys (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Taz also has a podcast on uh, the Head Stuff podcast network where she takes um, a a strange topic talks about it for 15 minutes and we were talking before recording about why people say cheese when they smile so if you want to learn about why we do go and listen to In the Shower with Taz and Marcus Marcus Marcus. very good (laughs) well that's International Women's Day I think we've done yeah Done some good work, <laughs> totally. um, so yeah, thank you so much to all the guests that have come in today. And Thanks, um, thank you, oh, don't stop. Um, and if you're a woman, I hope you have a lovely International Women's Day. And <laughs> but if you're,
4: if you're a, you're a man, a you can, <laughs> up. no, I'm joking, no, joking. <laughs>
0: and if you're not a woman, or if you're non binary, or whoever, or whatever you may be, um, have, have a nice day and thank
5: you. Okay, bye. bye. <laughs> To this chamber It didn't shock me I already knew Of such illicit desires Of lust and struggle The rock and the screw
1: podcast is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network.